five, Gail. <laughs> Hello. Oh, I'm so happy to be back. How are we all doing? Oh, so, so good. Super happy. Such a good time of year. It's a midterm break it's for It's our everyone. midterm break. Welcome to What's the History? Yeah. Yo. We're very excited because this is our favourite episode, I think. Yeah. That we do. It's our favourite time of year. Say every year, but it's only been a year. <laughs> but happy anniversary, Halloween. Yeah. I. Oh my God. Like, I've just been looking forward to this so much. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. This is just a time so so I feel happy. Like we really thrive, you know, and our weirdness is just kind of appreciated at this time of year. Mm. Just making sure our audio levels are good. Are they? Yeah, they look good, but I can't tell. Okay, they looked, they looked <laughs> louder can, on our previous. Can uh, you hear us? Can you hear us now? Yes, yes I, I can. can. <laughs> yes, I oh, God, can. People are like, it's not a bad thing <laughs> if we can't really hear you. Not at all. No, this okay. is going good. It's going good now. Okay. It's going good. It's going fine. fine. Um, I'm trying to think news wise. I. Just in, you know, because I know people out there are very invested in our lives now. Yeah, thank <laughs> um, you for getting in touch. I so I finished my four week block of college. Congratulations! Loved it. Loved Amazing it actually. Stuff, girl. So much, the best educational experience of my entire life. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah. Um. So I'll be back to school after midterm. We're off for the week. Oh, you God. have been very busy too. Thank God. Yeah, it's just nice to have a break, isn't it? I think everyone needed it. You, you need to stop every so often. All school communities burn. needed it. Teachers, students, staff everywhere. Everyone. Just, everyone. Yeah. So it's good. It's a nice relaxing time of year. The it's, leaves are changing colours. The mamas and the papas are out. It's <laughs> All the leaves are brown. Um, it's been raining. It's yeah. Kind of, I have the fire lighting. Oh, yeah. We get to watch horror movies. Put on the all furry socks. Do you know what I'm saying? On the socks. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's just, you get to have like lattes and cappuccinos oh, and oh my. Divine. It's just, I'm just in heaven this time of year. It's yeah. just heaven for me. It's a beautiful time of year. Yeah. Absolutely. And then we're yeah. straight into November. Which is the month of your birth. Oh, sugar. Oh my God. Oh, no. No, no. It's going to be your <laughs> no. birthday. Oh, God. I'm so excited. I'm getting older. I have to figure out what I'm going to get you. I have a few I have a few thoughts. I had one thing, but I was like, mm, it might actually be you could hate it. <laughs> and I have to realise that Annie also lives with you now. So <laughs> anything I inflict on you is also going to be inflicted on Annie. So I was like, Listen, it's sent with love. That's, yeah. That's the main yeah, yeah. thing. And you I don't have really to send good. me anything. I appreciate well, no, it so no, much. Of course I will, because you're my best friend and it's your birthday. Yay! So excited. <laughs> on the 10th November, by the way, for listeners, just so you can, you know, If one person remembers that, imagine. <laughs> if one person even sent you a happy birthday, I think we'd be like, wow. I'd just be, I'd Aww. actually be fascinated. It would, it if someone fasc- just died, fascinated. <laughs> someone just sat there and just wrote it, scribbled it, the date into their diary for very me. Nice. And just said, this is a very birthday. strong hint, by the way, that we're putting out there into the I've world. I've already mentioned it to the students in advance. So, oh, I do that too. Yeah. 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 My birthday's soon. Look, come on. It's, I'm a great teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Just, <laughs> I deserve I let you watch attention. that film in class. <laughs> Even attention. I don't want gifts. Just say happy birthday to me on my birthday and I'll be so happy. Make me a cake, please. Yeah. Also, shout out to the TY students. They asked to be shouted out. Did they? On the podcast. Aww. Did. Hello, TY students. Yep. What's up? Thank you for listening. This is me. I still mind come up to life. me and tell me they listen. So, which is really cool. So, I say hi to them too. Much appreciated, lads. So, um, we're going to be watching a lot of Halloween movies. I just made the list of my Halloween movies. You were there. You saw me adding movies to my list. I was scared. Yeah, I'm really excited. I want to watch The Exorcist because it's been a couple of years now. I feel like I've forgotten a lot in of it time. in time. In time. Um. I watched The Conjuring 2, which is the best Conjuring. Watched it recently as well, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, it's really, really good. good, actually. It's just a great film. Yeah. Um, there's weaknesses in the plot, but it is good. Like, it's it's scary. Uh, the Crooked Man is the only issue yeah, I have stupid. with that. But it's, like, it is, it's a proper frightening film. Mm. Um, which is hard to do in this day and age. Yeah. And I like that they went back to the old school, kind of, like, haunting possession mm. trope. Mm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Because... I don't know, like, hard these days, hard to do. It's hard to scare people, I think, now. Yeah. We're not as sensitive as we used to be to horror. Yeah, We've been very desensitized. I I watched um, Smile at the cinema uh, recently. Was that good? You know what? It is scary at points. Some parts I was, like, bursting out laughing because I could just feel your presence beside me anticipating (laughs) the same kind of joke, you know. We ruin horror movies when we watch them together because we (laughs) were too logical. So we just think, like, our Jeepers Creepers thing that we've just ruined Jeepers Creepers because Mr. Creepers would have to... He has a license on his thing that says yeah, like creepers so that or jeepers. So to somebody apply somewhere for that. Ha- the DMV. So he would have had to go to the DMV to get his license specially made. Yeah, he so had to communicate. That he's there queuing this weird bird monster thing. Mm-hmm. He's like down at the DMV, and they're like, "How did he figure out like even how to change a radio or change a tire?" Yeah, or, like he's definitely like going to change jack. his tires. Yeah, 
Because um, he drives that thing everywhere yeah. through cornfields. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's going to have to buy gas first. Where'd he get his hat? Yeah. Where'd like, he get his fashion Maybe sense? he stole his hat off, of course. Maybe. maybe. I don't know, though. So, yeah, these things just ruined them for me. Yeah. So, the more... That's the thing about the more realistic a horror film is, the more frightening I find it. If that mm, makes I sense. like if you can't see what's antagonizing yes, the narrator. Oh like. Which is the best example of that. Mm-hmm. I get down. really. <clears throat> I'm not. <laughs> I was going to say I'm not forceful in my opinion. I'm a little bit forceful in my <laughs> opinion. <laughs> You're like nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but I sometimes you hear people who are talking about horror films. In I heard the students talking about them lately, and I heard one of the students called Blair, which is just really crap. I had a chat with the TYs mm. that I was just and a lot of people really dislike it because they say, "Oh, the end of it's so stupid, it's not scary." And mm. I just have to. I was going to say respectfully disagree, but I won't respectfully disagree because I get really angry. I'm like, it's one of the best horror films ever made in my yeah, opinion. Great, like yeah. it's definitely in my top five, yeah. top three, I would even say, like. Tell me where it's you are, Josh. Incredible. Yeah. Considering that it's like there was no budget, mm-hmm. it's shot unlike the actual equipment they're using in the movie. The yeah. actors are unknown. There's like no budget to it. It, it's so scary. It's so scary, and you don't see much. But it's the psychological aspect of yeah, it. Yeah, it's left just... up to you to kind of figure out what it was. Yeah. You know, it's very clever. Very, very clever. And when they're running through the forest at night. They, they were meant to pan the yeah, camera. Yeah, they to were meant to pan to which, something. That, that was, was beautiful. That was, but they didn't. And actually, it's better that they didn't. I exactly. Think. The director purposefully left it out. <sighs> Such a good movie. Yeah, class film. Um, so a lot of Halloween uh, films lined up. Yes. For some watching. Are we all oh, going to snuggle in tomorrow night now? Yeah. Yeah, together. So excited. Yeah. And um, speaking of horrible, scary things. I can see your phone is open. Oh yes. So I we, <sighs> we whenever we're together we check our Facebook memories and I was like, We're recording the podcast today, why not do it on the podcast mm. so that our listeners can share in the cringe. Aww. We've spoken before on episodes about how our Facebook memories are very cringy because we're mm-hmm. both very cringy people in general. <laughs> Back in the day, especially. Especially, well, now too. Back on the 30th of October 2013. Um, oh, mine's also from 20... <laughs> you got 2013 memories? With you. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Do you want to go first or... <sighs> you go first. Oh, God, okay. <sighs> on the 30th of October 2013, I wrote this up on my Facebook. I said, a question for Cork. Where is the place to be tomorrow night for the Halloween antics? Bracket. Yeah. Dot dot. You know. Comma. Alcohol. Dancing. Not a lot of college students. Thanking you. Okay. That's 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 all right. That's all right. What's yours? It's okay. That's not too bad. Uh-huh. I thought it was worse. Give me, you have to give me one back. Come on. Do on it. the 30th of October 2013, <laughs> you had a busy day on Facebook. <laughs> you wrote on my wall. Like you wrote on my wall. <clears throat> I'm going dancing. <laughs> And then as the comment back, my reply was disturbing. <laughs> Just the single word. Disturbing. <laughs> yeah. We can't really tell people no, the backstory to the that context for that. Because the context is, is indeed disturbing. Um so yeah, we have to we have to not tell people. No. I did have a busy day. You're right that you day. Because I also put up another post on the thirtieth of October twenty thirteen. I uh, gave it a title. I said, this is journalism. Ha 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 ha. Quote, psychic attacked by evil spirit during a loo break. So it's... um, (laughs) This is Daily Mail. Yeah, it's probably Daily Mail or The Star. It looks like the Irish Star. And uh, it says, P is for petrified in stab scare, but P is in P-E-E. And uh, it's about some dude that looks like Michael or uh, Daniel O'Donnell. Oh, he does look like yeah. Daniel O'Donnell. Basically, just says, scared the pants off me. Mike Fallon and the Hellfire Club. So, um, oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. He was just attacked by an evil spirit while he was having Going a Going to the toilet. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. And um, you were really bet into Facebook in 2013. I was really into it. Wow. That's only nine years ago. Yeah, it's probably just a month or two after I came back from Korea because I came yeah. back in 2013 so I would have been living in all Roscommon at the time oh yeah yeah well good days yeah. good times yeah that's just 
never speak of this again no imagine it becomes a thing like people again. are like read us every your memories week. oh I'm my like, god no. we could do it every week read we our facebook memories from that day but some of them get some really of them are bad really uncomfortable like i actually can feel my entire body just crumbling in, in itself i want to tear this. my skin off yeah. my body yeah i want to hide i want to yeah. hide away yeah. from everyone and never be seen again it's when we have public conversations on like <sighs> and you thought like I, I think it was, it was really so cool so that people could funny, see us. Yeah. And it's, it's so witty and like so smart. The spelling. And I'm like, the spelling. Oh, my grammar and spelling yeah. is like shocking. Yeah. <clears throat> well, we came out to the great end anyway. So here um, we are. Okay. We're teachers we just... and we're holding a podcast. <laughs> Come at me, love. Come at me, life. <laughs> um, so it's going to be a spooky one. It's going to be a spooky one. It's going to be a spooky one. episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel that you're much more prepared than I am this I'm, week. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, mine was kind of half put together, but in terms of why I did it, and I was explaining earlier. Um, I suppose I'll just start and get running with it. Um, basically, you know, TikTok, you know, has trends or whatever. Mm-hmm. And recently, for maybe the past few weeks. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people are into their pet videos and there was this song and it's called Year Zero uh, mm-hmm. by Ghost and it was trending. And in the lyrics, of course, you have <laughs> Belial, Bethamot, Beelzebub, Asmodeus, Satana, Satanus and Lucifer. And um, I was like, I was like, oh, you know, this OK, I could maybe, you know, chat to people about who those names are. You know, it's demonic names because people match a picture of their That's pet brilliant. acting like a demon to each name in the song. I have to. Oh my god! I just realized I have a crochet demon. I have a. Te- I have a. De- I have a teddy of a demon. I have a demon teddy. I'll have to go and get it so we can take a picture to show everybody. I'm so weird. This <laughs> just hits me that I'm. This is weirder than me having weird. a Ouija board. I mean, at least there was some context behind how we got the Ouija board. Oh, but, but it's really cute. It's, oh, is it the purple I think, guy? Yeah, it's oh, either. So it's, is it? Is it? Um, behemoth. Is it's one of them. Behemoth. I, oh, it's behemoth. It I might be Bethamot. It might be um Bethamot. <laughs> oh, it's one of them, but yeah, I'll I'll uh, I'll get it there in a while. Okay. And we'll put put a picture up and yeah, we um, will. yeah people are now gonna think I'm in like um in into the occult and stuff, which I mean Ouija board, <laughs> demon. I did also hey, want I to watched... set up my own um coven. I'm dead serious. Can we by do the way. it? I'll get the like, ropes. We need like I just you know, even a, co- a coven that we just like knit and occasionally have drink tea go to the woods go for walks oh i'm like maybe do some spells yeah but like nice spells like we're good witches and um if anybody would like to join our coven um we're opening applications yeah let's do it we have a couple of spaces i think kelly would be in our coven as well kelly yeah i think roshin would definitely be up for being in our coven tasha be in our coven definitely yeah Definitely get a few of us in there. But we do. Coven. We definitely have a few spaces. Yeah, so women supporting up. women. Yeah, yeah. Hit us up, ladies, if you want to be in our coven. No boys. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> get no, your that's, own coven. That's the rule. You, you, you. Yeah, it's just Sorry, just the ladies for now. Yeah, yeah. We'll look to opening extending <laughs> applications in the future. <laughs> but for now, it's just you can women. Carry my robes, okay? I'm so sorry. we have room for about seven others. Yeah, yeah. But an international and if your name coven. is Florence Pugh and you happen to be listening to this you you're so pretty very welcome to join our coven you are yeah I love you Annie anyway <laughs> oh <laughs> Annie yeah. oh we can get Annie, Annie in, the in our coven oh my god there's an initiation process though you know coming into the coven yeah. you all basically have to like just cut your hands and shake hands or well oh maybe my god, spit that's in your hands extremely severe my, co- my idea of a coven I was, was going to say darker. that they have to like bake us like muffins or something and yours is that they have to cut their hands and shake hands <laughs> <laughs> okay just spit on your hands <laughs> I'm joking muffins I'm down with muffins I'm like covid <laughs> oh we <laughs> could call it the coven. covid coven no no <laughs> And by the way, our neighbour's cat is called COVID. I know, yeah. We call I, it Covey for short. Covey. She's a calico Cove, cat. Covey. I know, I love her. Most calicos are female. Yeah, you're saying, I remember. I remember In the cat, cat episode. episode. There you go now, meow, meow. Okay, I'm going to let you get on with your okay. story. So, but basically, yeah, join our coven. Applications are open. DM us. <laughs> We're not joking, by the way. Dead serious. We're going to start this at Christmas. Fact. Yeah. Yeah, fact. Yeah. Christmas Day coven. Yeah. Just. Anyway, okay, I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. Um. So... Uh, Belial, okay. Yes. Belial, Behemoth, Lucifer. That's oh no, it's Satan. Satan is first, isn't he? And then Lucifer. Uh, the they're, they're last, I think. Yeah. And it's Asmodeus. Oh yes, Satanus, yes, yes, yes. Lucifer. So it's a pretty creepy song, and uh, it is basically Belial, okay, as a demon, okay, has been adopted by more recent literature. So, yeah. um, 
Basically, Belial was the last demon to fall and the most vilest and uh, the demon of impurity and lies. That is who Belial is. And in some occasions, Belial is used as a uh, personification in the Bible. And um, it's basically, it's, it's, it's just an individual demon, uh, basically. And it's not very nice. And um, in scripture, Belial was a term used to personify wickedness and worthlessness. And the only time mm. this word is used is to identify a person in uh, 2 Corinthians where the name is applied to Satan. Uh, there is no indication from scripture that Belial is actually the proper name of a specific demon. Okay. So it's quite ambiguous there. And then we have Behemoth. Okay. And Behemoth, I think most people will probably know this one, uh, is a beast. A beast? Beast? <laughs> beast? How dare you? Uh, is from the <laughs> biblical you. book of Job. Beast. And is a form of the primeval chaos monster created by God at the beginning of creation. What's up, buddy? Oscar's hey, here, Oscar. by the way. What's He's up? like, oh, drink my demons. Hey. It's his favorite. Um, so Behemoth is often paired with another chaos monster called Leviathan. And love it. according to later Jewish tradition, both of these would become food for the righteous at the end of time. So it means that... As in we eat them. Apparently so, if we're righteous. Oh, that's me out. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, hi, I'll just have some behemoth totus, please. And it's like, you're not welcome here. <laughs> I'm like, off the hell you go. Well, they're I'm like, chewing Woo! like a, a wing <laughs> or a thigh. <laughs> I'd like some leviathan scales, please. Grills, thanks. <laughs> no salt, no vinegar. Um, <clears throat> so it's pretty dark. Then we have Beelzebub. Beelzebub. Uh, according to Beelzebub has the devil put aside for me, for me, for me. <coughs> Probably should That's have. That's the last listener. Just gone. gone. It's just us now. So just swear us. all we want. We can do what we want. Yeah. <laughs> Party on. Um, so Beelzebub, also called Beelzebub. Uh, in the Bible is the prince of devils and in the Old uh, Testament. Can we just point out how you say devils? We've always loved it. You say it the very Irish way. Devil. Yeah, devil. What's the devil? The devil. What's the devil? <laughs> Speaking of the devil. <laughs> Speak of the devil. Yeah. Come here, what, what, what way do you say it? Well, it's devil because it's D-E-V-I-L. Oh, I say devil. No, but it's partly you should because it's lovely in Irish and we're losing our kind of like... All right, identity, man. We are. So it's just lovely. I love that you say devil. It's brilliant. Thank you. you oh, you little devil. Oh, oh so he's the prince Lord. of the devil. Yeah, imagine just meeting Satan. Just like, hey, say, say, what is it? Some say the devil is dead. The devil is dead. Some say the devil is dead. More. Oh, God, actually, that song gets very anti-English. So I'm just going to stop right there. Sorry, lads. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> Half sorry. Um, <laughs> actually, it turns out probably that my ancestors were all English, like as in I probably came over in the plantation somewhere along the DNA tree. tree. But anyway, <clears throat> Tommy egg moving on. Um, so in the Old Testament, yeah, uh, in the form of Basilbub, it is the name given to the god of a Philistine city named Ekron. And neither name is found anywhere else in the Old Testament. And there is only one reference to it in other uh, Jewish literature. Then Britannica informed me to, I quote here, see devil. So I'll have a, a look at that in a while. <laughs> um, now, I kept moving on. I was like, right, let's get through this. Let's figure out who these guys are, or yeah. de demons are. Then we have Asmodeus. Mm -hmm. um, according to Wikipedia, Asmodeus or Ashmedei is a prince of demons and hell. Um, so in Judeo-Islamic lore, he is the king of both demons and demons. <laughs> Debert, <laughs> D. <laughs> Uh, Asmodeus is mostly known from uh, the book of Tobit, no idea, in which he is the primary antagonist. Um, and basically, Asmodeus represents lust. Okay, so, la la. sorry, Asmodeus. Hey, hey, Asmodeus, how you doing? <laughs> hey, um, I'm lusty. very lusty. Then, of course, we have Satanus and Lucifer. Okay, yes. So, in the three major. Um, Abrahamic religions, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, the prince of evil spirits and adversary of God. Okay, these guys are. So Satan is traditionally understood to be an angel who rebelled against God and was cast out of heaven with other fallen angels before the creation of humankind. And, um, you know, as we know, in, in these religions, Satan is identified as an entity, you know, the snake that, um, or the serpent that tempted Eve to eat, you know, the forbidden fruit of the Garden of Eden. Yes. And, uh, he was thus also the catalyst for the fall of humankind. So thanks, thanks a lot. Satan. Thanks so much. Like now we don't get to like spend time in the garden we eaten and just ate all the apples, you know. And we feel pain. Couldn't be naked and, and women experience pain during childbirth. No, apparently we were made out of a rib or, you know, yeah. man's rib. There you go. Um, so anyway, 
now that that's kind of been cleared up a little bit, you know, that these are all different kind of demons or not. Yeah. Um, it got me thinking about depictions of demons, especially Satan. Yes. And it brought me, brought my mind back to this video that I'd seen some time ago. You might remember this. It was in 1985 this was made. And there was a claymation. It's like an animated film. Yeah. And it was made for children. Keep that in mind now, guys, because some of you probably have seen this. Seen this. claymation is like, it's yeah, pretty cool. You know, cute. but yeah, it's for kids. But mm, like, I'm really shaking my head. Or I'm like, oh, okay. my gosh. So it's about uh, Mark Twain's writings and adventures. And I think the name of the film was called The Adventures of Mark Twain. <laughs> <laughs> the bus that couldn't slow down. <laughs> now, uh, I'm taking a lot of my sources from online, online here. But basically... The film features a series of vignettes extracted from several of Mark Twain's works built around a plot that features Twain's attempts to keep his appointment with Haley's Comet. Twain and three children in this claymation film, Tom Sawyer, Huck Finn and Becky Thatcher, travel on an airship between various adventures, right? Now, the children enter different worlds that Mark Twain wrote into his books. And in one of these uh, novels, uh, the children visit the world of the Mysterious Stranger. Now, The Mysterious Stranger is a novel attempted by Mark Twain. He worked on it uh, intermittently from 1897 through 1908. And Twain wrote multiple versions of the story. Each involves a supernatural character called Satan or number 44. All the versions remained unfinished. Anyway, back to this creepy claymation. You got, yeah. I think that this is where, I don't know if this is where you're going with this though. Are you going to be going into Red Dead Redemption territory? And well, Not yet, but we, you can link this after because yeah. I got I got to play something. It is so creepy. Um, basically, the claymation, uh, it appears, so it appears or whatever, the characters push a button, they enter this world and they meet Satan, right? But he is depicted so scarily. Like for claymation, it's petrifying. And basically, Twain and the children meet Satan mm-hmm. and Tom Sawyer asks the mysterious stranger what he is. And he states that he was an angel. He says, I'm an angel. And then he's like, what's your name? He's like, oh, he calls himself Satan. So Satan then takes Sawyer, Finn and Thatcher, not that other Thatcher. She's definitely down there somewhere <laughs> with him, uh, into an island in a black kind of abyss, like a black void and gives them fruits of their choosing. And of course, he gives Thatcher the apple. You know, he's kind of like just the lady. Yeah. And he then asks them to do him a favor and he hands them clay. Right. So then they craft together a small kingdom made out of clay and inhabitants. And the mysterious stranger brings them all to life. And while discussing humanity with the children, he sows seeds of discord amongst his creations, leading to the destruction of the kingdom through greed, showing what he believed humans to be. He then destroys the kingdom with an earthquake and shows human life is fleeting and corrupt. And his face starts turning into like a weird skull. It peels back into a skull Ugh. as he tells the children not to worry. And they can always make more and are welcome to play with him anytime they want. So naturally, the kids obviously flee out of this void back yeah. to Mark Twain or whatever in the so. airship. It's would. really, really creepy. This is a children's film and I'm just going to play this bit because it is creepy. So I'm just going to let you see a bit of this. Uh, you'll be able to see I it. I extremely but want to watch it now. Okay, it's seven minutes long. It's on YouTube. You can definitely okay. find it. So I'm going to play it for you. I'm sure you'll be able to see it. So. Never mind them. People are of no value. We could make more sometime. If we need them. Life itself is only a vision. A dream. Nothing exists save empty space and you. This is a kid's movie. Oh, there's Mark Twain. Yeah, it's pretty creepy. Um, that's absolutely horrifying. This is for kids. This is for kids. It's seven minutes long. It's called, if you just type in creepiest scene from any kids movies, Adventures of Mark Twain on YouTube, you can find that. I would implore all <coughs> listeners I'm to not actually look it up. after that. I'm shook. It's that's creepy. very frightening. But this was for our children. And it was a depiction of Satan, you know, and it's just <coughs> the most bizarre thing. We'll have to link that for people yeah, if, they, yeah. if they dare watch it. Yeah. I mean, Claire actually was covering her mouth there. She was actually, I, you looked That was shocking. No, that was actually really creepy. For children. For oh children. It's the dual voice. I just can't. Yeah, it's a, and it's a man and woman's 
voice. It's you like know. in um, the Passion of the Christ, you know, and just when they show Satan in the in the. And it's very it's a, in drag. It's I, a woman, yeah, with no eyebrows. It's really scary. I remember, yeah, he's being crucified and yeah. she's in the crowd she's with her hood, and she's pretty spooky looking. Yeah. Um, now I did have another piece of scary stuff to read. It was some old Irish. Um, story that was written in about uh, to the Irish Society. It was a weekly paper that, um, and I can go very quickly with it. I am literally reading yeah, it yeah, off yeah, the yeah. Page. Please, please, please. Um, so just, and then we'll, we'll jump right into yours because I don't want to be here all day. <laughs> Basically, the Irish Society, it was a weekly newspaper released in Ireland um, and it was first published in 1888. Mm-hmm. So I'm just reading this from uh, Finkel.ie. Years ago. <laughs> um, so, uh, it printed an eerie story back in 1892, which oh, yes. featured Kilbarrack Cemetery, okay. an ancient seaside resting place where the ruins of the late medieval Chapel of Moan, more commonly known as the Abbey of Kilbarrack, can still be seen. Mm-hmm. And by this time, ghost stories were almost passé. The Irish Society apologises for even printing the story as ghosts are so commonly nowadays. But they decided to print this truest of true spirit stories. Uh, they also caution that there are on record many similar stories in connection with Kilbarrick. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, so I'm going to tell you the tale. Yes, please. So this guy called Mr. R wrote into the Irish Society paper to tell his story. <laughs> Mr. R. Okay. Mr. R. <laughs> Is that you, Robert? <laughs> Ricky! Roy! Um, <laughs> okay, he says... I was on my way from Rahini to Howth. I had travelled from Malahide intending to catch the train at the Rahini station, but our train was some minutes late and the consequence was I missed the Howth train. Not relishing the idea of hanging about the railway station for two hours, I set off on my march to Howth, hoping I might catch the train at Sutton and what a march it proved to be. I was but imperfectly acquainted with the road, but I was confident that I would be able to strike the correct route, having got got directions from the railway porter. I turned to the left and passed the little crescent of cottages, soon leaving the cheery lights of the whitewashed public house in the rear, and having reached the main road, set off at a brisk walk, now plunging through lakelets of mud kindly left for the unwary traveller. The road I had travelled was steeped in a Cimmerian, sorry, Cimmerian darkness, which the bright stars failed to relieve. Now I had the music of the waves, the twinkling and flashing beacons that guide mariners up the river, and the lights that mark the townships on the side of the bay. Up to this time, I had not met a single person, and the inhabitants seemed to have retired, although the hour was but a little past nine o'clock. I took my bear, mistook my bearings turning up a lane that had six inches of mud over its surface and did not learn of my mistake until I knocked smartly with my cane on the door of an uncomfortable-looking house half a mile up the road. After much hesitation, one of the inhabitants, no doubt much wondering at the presence of a stranger in the vicinity, opened the door about six inches and directed me to retrace my steps down the Miri Lane and reach the main road. Come on, sound effects, Matt. You're like, Ooh. I was. I was gonna be like, I'm just going to ruin the ambience of the story. I'm so sorry. Go on. It's re- it is really scary. So it's, remember, it's like <clears throat> 1900s, very early. Yeah. In half an hour, I was again on the road and soon reached the creepy vicinity of Kilbarrick Cemetery with its numerous mounds and rude mementos of death and its pointed ivy-clad ruins of a chapel, which looked doubly eerie under the stars, shadowed by the darkly looming hill of Howth, steeped in an oppressive stillness relieved only by the sea. That has been so many a dead man's grave, and the occasional cry of seabirds that seems to never sleep. (laughs) I was suddenly confronted by an old man dressed in quaint garb, who had a rich luxuriance of lovely flexen hair that matched a beard that reached below his breast. Taking him for the oldest inhabitant, I politely inquired my way and offered him something for the information. Keep your money, wayfarer, the old man said. Follow me. He led me towards the graveyard, telling me on the way that he had watched me for some time and guessed that I had lost my road. 
I soon noticed that his gait was not that of an ordinary mortal, that his dress was that of a long bygone age, that his headgear was rather soldier-like, and then there was a sort of transparency and glow about his flesh, which I had never seen before on a human being. Yet, strange to say, I never suspected that he was other than ordinary man. He led me over the fence and across the graveyard. I, stumbling and plunging among the grassy mounds that covered the dust of past generations, he proceeding with an apparent ease and steadiness, a fact which I attributed to his better knowledge of the ground. He led me towards the ruined walls of the chapel, and I followed free from suspicion. Arrived here, he, by some subtle influence, caused me to enter, and I saw, I think it's a sight that filled me with a strange feeling that was a mixture of awe and dread. Seated amongst the rank growth of nettles and weeds that cover the ground, perched in the embrasures that served as windows, and one even on the apex of the gable, were a company of men who in every respect resembled my ancient guide. On observing them closely, as they sat in the dim starlight, I noticed that they all wore what seemed to be coats of chain armour and had the bearing of military veterans. I was greeted by them with, uh, with cordiality and bidden to sit down on a boulder, which I did. No sooner had I sat down than the earth seemed to open. The walls of the ruins vanished. I was forced into a vault-like opening and was carried down, down, it seems, for miles, surrounded by the band of shady warriors, until I was suddenly dazed by a strange radiance when I fell into an immense grotto, illuminated with many links that hung on the walls. Seated on an upturned cask was one who wore a brazen crown, whose locks were whiter and longer than those of the numerous com company that surrounded him, and who was evidently a person of high degree. This personage, in a loud voice, gave me greeting, saying, Welcome, stranger. By Thor, thou shalt partake of our cheer and drink defiance to the foes of the sea kings. I felt I was to be transformed into a new being. I drank of the stuff they offered me and found that it rather burned my mucous membrane, yet had had no further effect. The being on the cask uh, raised the scepter and those who reclined on the floor of the grotto or sat on the boulders of stone rose. On with the dance, ordered the commander, and they began a wild war dance in which I was forced to join, <laughs> becoming mysteriously armed with a battle axe and sword, which I swung in imitation of others in the strange <coughs> company. The dance over, the chief addressed his followers, uh, let, telling them that an adventurer, Sir, what is it, Sir Armory Tristram, was on his way to attack the peninsula in Ben Eddar to drive out the Danes and exhorting them to be strong in the fight. He then asked me to address the warriors. I mounted a rock to do so and began, Danes and warriors, you have been brave in battle and fearless in the face of death when opposed to the greatest of chieftains, Brian Baru. I think it's Brian Baru. I think that's what they're saying. Mm -hmm. So Brian Baru yelled the company, greatest of chief chieftains, thou art enemy to our cause. I was rash enough to make an uncomplimentary, uh, com sorry, uncomplimentary remark to the chief of the soldiers, whereupon, whereupon I was forced up the shaft through which I had descended, hurried by the Danish uh, spectres, for such I am convinced they were. And on reaching the ruins of the chapel, I was subjected to rough handling and footing too, and was sinking into unconsciousness when the chief of soldiers blew a long, weird blast on a whistle and the company disappeared. I awoke to find a coast guardsman bending over me, and on telling him of my wish to reach the railway, he helped me to my feet and stiffened and sore, led by his direction. I reached the station in time for the train. I trembled in every fibre when the engine emitted a demonical whistle that vividly reminded me of uh, the closing episode of my weird adventure. Some of my friends suggest that I slept. Others insinuate that I was the victim of material spirits, but I hold that I was thoroughly compass mentis and intend to consult the psychological savants. Whatever the real reason for Mr. Orr's mysterious, mysterious tale, um, I suggest should you find yourself lost on a dim and misty night walking past Kilbarrick Cemetery, you avoid any strange bearded apparitions who try to lure you into the ruins. The end. <laughs> oh my God, it's so creepy. I, I don't know. I say, good. I say he was on the lash. <clears throat> and uh, it's a bit like um, if you if if you've ever read the... I'm about to get all literary here. Oh, the poem La, oh, La yeah. Belle Dame Sans Merci by John Keats. Go on. It's amazing. It's very creepy. But what did I say about that? Um, I won't have time to read it because I've got so much to cover. But listeners, I will put up a link to it in a while. And it is a really creepy yes, poem. Yes, girl. It's very like that, actually. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, it was just one of those stories I came across. And I was like, like I've never he, heard of. He was his. He came home and his wife was like, "Where have you been?" <laughs> I just write into the and Irish society. Yeah, yeah, and he was like, "See, I, it's in here." <laughs> I'd say what happened now. He was on the lash. Yeah, and I reckon maybe the the co- the coast guardsman had a beard. Yeah, and I'd say that he met him during the night or something. I'd say he was just wasted in the cemetery, yeah. just falling around. But the fact that like he fell into a hole and he met like loads of Danes and stuff. I suppose that area house is. Yeah, so that's I mean, where it's the Vikings cool. Arrived apparently. It's still a cool story, and that's that's the problem though. Like <clears throat> I was going to do um, my piece about Borley Rectory, which is meant to be one of the most haunted places in England, but the whole thing has kind of been like really thoroughly debunked, and it just took the fun out of it for me. So I was like, Aww. nah. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to yours. I'm really looking forward to yours. I have Mine a couple of all over the place. different things um, because I got really excited. So the first thing I'm going to talk about is in um, kind of ghost lore. There's always stories about ladies. There's kind of different types. There's ladies dressed in white. Lady in red. <laughs> there's red ladies as well. <laughs> so there's red ladies which you've just thoroughly destroyed. I've ruined your it's piece. dancing <laughs> with me. Um, but there's also ladies dressed in white and the kind of difference is that the ladies in uh, in white are usually women who've been like either spurned or they were brides and they lost their husbands or um, there's that's in Red Dead Redemption 2 there's the lady in white on the she appears in the um, in the swamps when you're Mm, going through a night showed me oh my gosh it's amazing and very like that she's a jilted a jilted lady mm. um so there's and then the ladies in red are usually um a great song i love yeah, that song. Tune. um they're generally women who were like they might have been you know like adulterers because they're dressed in red there promiscuous yeah, yeah. so i'm going to read about one lady in red and one lady in white nice and then i'm going to touch on a couple of other things that i find really scary too but it's just some little ghost stories Ooh, little ghost yes settling boy. now um i'm going the first is the probably the most famous white lady in ireland which is the white lady of Kinsale. I'm is she still around? The story behind it. She's knocking around there somewhere. So I'm going to read this from irishcentral.com. Yes. Um, the, the, uh, th- there's a little just trigger warning here because there's mentions of suicide in this story. Okay. okay? Yeah. So the tragic suicide of a mourning bride has left a sad and sometimes unfriendly spectre at Charles Fort in Cork, mm. one of Ireland's most famous ghosts, the white lady of Kinsale. According to legend and famous uh, and famous Irish should be the famous Irish ghost story goes, one of the four soldiers married a local girl and they stayed at the fort for their wedding night. The soldier had watched duty that night and a bit drunk from the day's celebrations, he fell asleep. Other soldiers in the fort found him asleep while on duty and following the protocol of the day, shot him at his post. After hearing about her husband's death, the bride flung herself to her death from one of the fort's walls. Oh, God. Decades after the tragedy, the white lady was seen wandering through Charles Fort by soldiers and their families, especially children. Two sergeants were packing up some equipment when one man's daughter asked who the white lady smiling at her was. Both men saw nothing. Oh, God. But the girl was adamant that a woman in a white dress had been looking at her. In another story, a nurse saw the white lady standing over the bed of a sleeping child. Not all of her interactions with the living are friendly. Even into the first half of the 12th century, several captains recounted stories of being pushed down a flight of stairs by an unseen force. God. I'm kind of like one girl. I used to go out there at night and I had no idea she existed until now. Oh my God. Charles Fort, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so the white lady roams the streets of her native Kinsale. Charles Fort, or Dune Cahill in the Irish language, was built between 1677 and 1682 during the reign of Charles II as a fortress to defend against attacks from enemies approaching via the sea. William Robinson, who designed the Royal Hospital in Kilmainham in Dublin, is credited with the design of the fort. It's beautiful. Charles IV was in military use until 1922. It is now in ruins, but the bride can still be seen wandering the fort's walls in her white wedding dress. The white lady, as the locals call her, has also been seen wandering the streets of Kinsale where she lived. Oh my God. Charles Fort was declared an Irish National Monument in 1973 for its part in Irish history. Mm-hmm. There are regular guided tours. Okay. 
The fort played a part in several conflicts, including the Williamite War between 1689 and 1691. In 1689, James II sought to reclaim the English throne from William of Orange and he he came to Kinsale with French soldiers. He was later defeated by William. Charles IV had suffered much damage through its years of service and restoration began after it was declared an Irish National Monument. Um, And it's, yeah, it looks pretty good today. But yeah, so that's the White Lady of Kinsale. So it's kind of your typical White Lady ghost story. And there's lots of them around the country. Yeah. I'll talk, I'll, I'll read the Red Lady story. So there's a very famous one in America mm. called the Red Lady of Huntingdon College, uh, which is in Alabama. Alabama? Um, and apparently there's two Red Ladies. So the first Red Lady um, first appears in the late 19th century while the college was still located in the town of Tuskegee, Alabama. She was described as a young woman wearing a scarlet dress and carrying a scarlet parasol who walked wordlessly up and down the halls of a women's dormitory late one night, bathed in a red glow. This apparition ultimately left the residence hall and disappeared from view as she passed through a gateway outside. So the alleged identity or origin of this ghost has never been determined and she was apparently never seen again. Okay, but there's been a second red lady. So this is a bit of a a ghost story now. Oh, I like an old ghost story. Can't wait to drive back and crap my pants. Yeah, so So have a good old listen to this now. (laughs) Try and hold it in there if you can. So hold. The second red lady, according to Wyndham, was a former student named Martha or Margaret. And no last name for this alleged person has ever been offered, who had reluctantly come to Huntington from New York because her father's mother had attended Huntington when it was in Tuskegee. Okay, and and is well specified that she must attend his mother's alma mater. Martha did not especially want to come to Alabama, but her father's fortune was large and she knew his deep love for his home state. Martha, according to legend, was dressed in red when she arrived and she brought with her red draperies for her windows and a red spread for her bed together with other accessories of the same colour. Although many of her fellow students asked her to explain her apparent obsession with the colour red, Martha always demurred, so she never shared it. Hmm. Being a stranger and shy... As well as unhappy in her unfamiliar surroundings, Martha could not make friends among the students. They sensed that she was different from them, and having heard she was wealthy, they mistook her shyness for disdain. Martha sat alone and apart from them in the dining hall and seldom spoke to her roommate. When other girls, Huntington was an all-female institution at this time, dropped in to visit, she seemed so cold and unfriendly that they eventually stopped coming. Truthfully, Many of them had only come out of curiosity to see the red prayer rug Martha had brought in Turkey and the odd little red figurines on her bookshelf. Martha's roommate ultimately found the situation unbearable (laughs) and asked the house mother if she could move out. Just imagine (laughs) the creepiness of it. The house mother granted this request and put someone else in the room with Martha, who became increasingly aloof and irritable. This second girl also left after only a week. This procedure happened again and again as one roommate after another found it impossible to live with the surly girl. At last, the president of the dormitory, who was known for her ability to get along with everybody, moved in with Martha and did everything she could to make friends with her. But all efforts were futile. Martha had become embittered as well as withdrawn and she seemed to resent the presence of this kind hearted girl. After all of her efforts at friendship had failed and after she found herself growing depressed and despondent, the dormitory president packed her belongings and prepared to leave. Just as she was about to go, Martha, who had not known of her imminent departure, returned to the room. With a look of defiance, she said, So you couldn't stand me either, like all the rest of your stuck-up friends. I was beginning to think you really wanted to be a... You really wanted me to be your friend, but you hate me just like the rest. Well, I'm glad to be rid of you. Take your things and go. But I'll tell you one thing, my dear. For the rest of your life, you'll regret leaving this room. The house president was disturbed by this bitter outburst. But in the midst of her mini activities, she soon forgot about Martha's (laughs) prophetic words. (laughs) Good. The sad girl, abandoned by the one person she had believed to be her only friend, allegedly formed the habit of wandering into rooms where the other girls were congregating. But her presence cast a chill upon the groups and they would soon find flimsy excuses for leaving her alone. Then, with a feeling of alienation from all humankind, she would return to her solitary sleeping quarters where she would wrap herself in her red bedspread and retreat from the whole world. 
Later, Martha's behaviour allegedly became even more strange. She would wait until the lights were out and then she would visit one dormitory after another, never saying a word, but staring into space as if she were in a trance. As time passed, she took to walking up and down the halls during the darkest hours of the night. Often, she would alarm the girls by opening and closing their doors, (laughs) then hurrying away to resume her pitiful promenade. One evening, after Martha had not appeared for classes or meals all day, her former roommate, the dormitory president, had a guilty feeling and decided to go and see her, thinking that this time she might be able to help Martha in some way. As she neared Martha's room at an isolated corridor at the top floor of the building, she is said to have noticed flashes of red shooting out into the corridor from the room's transom. I don't know what that is. Opening the door, she screamed and fainted. Girls from all over the fourth floor of Pratt rushed from their rooms to see what was wrong. Martha, or so the story goes, was found on the floor of her room, dressed in her red robe and draped in her red bedspread, having committed suicide by slashing her wrists. This happened a long time ago, according to Wyndham, says the writer, but students at Huntington have alleged that on the date of Martha's suicide each year, rays of crimson light flash from the transom of her room and the Red Lady returns to haunt the corridors. Students have allegedly reported seeing Martha's ghost on Pratt Hall's fourth floor, claiming to have seen it pass through walls or closed doors. Um, okay. Okay, yeah, I just had goosebumps and yeah. That's Don't go to college in Huntington, uh, Alabama. Pretty creepy. Shout out Probably to won't go there. There's also supposed to be um, That's so creepy. another ghost there uh, oh, who's a male student. Well, maybe they get together. Um, and they, you know, maybe they get together. And there is this no? is a, um, a poltergeist known oh, as no. Frank the Library Ghost. Oh, maybe he sounds nice. a bit friendlier. I probably prefer him now. To be honest, I'm not going to Martha. I feel sorry for her. You know, I do. As in, she couldn't make friends. She was just very. She just really off. wasn't it sounds like open somebody that was really sad to making friends. Yeah, but she was also very strange in her behaviors, like opening doors. You know, I'm sorry now, but if I was in a college dorm and someone was walking around and opening it at night, I would be. You'd be like Martha, girl. Like, like just go, go to bed, will ya? Like no wonder you don't have any friends. You exactly. have literally no boundaries. Yeah, that's it. Not respecting boundaries. Yeah. And Come on now. Seriously. Ooh, and the fact at the start that like, oh, she knew her daddy had like lots of money. <laughs> yeah, just... Stop. I said nothing. You, said, you made a face. <laughs> I have a very expressive face. Speaking of haunted houses, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about Loftus Hall. Oh, yeah, yeah. Loftus Hall. For any of our listeners who have never been to Ireland or who are in Ireland but have never been to Loftus Hall. It is a very large country house on the Hook Peninsula in County Wexford. Creepy. It is absolutely Oh, that thing's 100%, terrifying. 100% it's terrifying. 100% haunted. And because I love all this stuff, I... We a few times, go. Yeah. We, we should really just drive out this week and just have a look We really it. should. I love looking at it because I have never... So in my life, got the feeling I've gotten from a place that I got from that place. I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to call you on that though a little bit as that place and that other place you told me about when you were working elsewhere. I'm not going to mention the name of the place. Do you yeah. there was an old part of you? The, oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The and I've project. never seen you get yeah, yeah, freaked yeah, yeah, yeah. out. Like, I was actually talking logical. about that with somebody lately and um, they agreed. Yeah, just Oh, no. it's just frightening. When you told me, because I'd never seen you talk about Loftus or this location. Yeah. In the way you did, I've just never seen you get so. No, that was a whole like, other mm, level thank of, you. of nope. Yeah, yeah. Loftus, Sorry for interrupting. I remember sir. being in the countryside and going there a few times, and it's you know it is it's on the kind of the coast, and it's mm. this very kind of flat land, and it just gives the most unsettling mm. like feeling. It's just creepy. It's eerie. So I'm just going to read a little bit about the uh, the the kind of rumors of um, ghosts there. Okay. Sure. So, between 1872 and 1884, the most honourable John Henry Wellington Graham Loftus, fourth Marcus of Eli, under the guidance of his mother, Lady Jane Hope Vere Loftus, who was a lady-in-waiting to Queen Victoria, undertook an extensive rebuilding of the entire mansion, adding many of the famous elements such as the grand staircase, Mm -hmm. mosaic tile floor, elaborate parquet flooring, and technical elements which had not been seen in houses in Ireland at the time, such as flushing toilets and blown air heating. Okay, now, um, so I was actually totally reading the wrong part of it. 
I was like, this isn't scary at all. <laughs> that is interesting, though. But it's, uh, no, it's good to have, okay. to have the history I have behind the, it. I have the ghost story portion yeah. open now. Okay, so, uh, yeah, you're like, okay, fl- flushing toilets, etc. Okay, <laughs> Charles Tottenham <laughs> became Lord of the Manor, having to adopt the Loftus name to inherit lands and title, as per instructions, um, by marrying the Honourable Anne Loftus, daughter of the first Viscount Loftus. They had six children, four boys and two girls, Elizabeth and Anne. However, his wife became ill and died while the girls were still young. Two years later, Tottenham married his cousin, Jane Cliff, and they lived together along with Anne in Loftus Hall. One evening in 1775, Charles was resting in his home with his second wife and daughter from his first marriage. Um, Anne, while the Loftus family were away on business. During a storm, a ship unexpectedly arrived at the Hook Peninsula, where the mansion was located. A young man was welcomed into the mansion. Anne and the young man became very close. One night, the family and mysterious man were in the game room playing cards. In the game, each player received three cards, apart from Anne, who was only dealt two by the mysterious man. A butler serving the Tottenham family at the table was just about to question the man when Anne bent down to pick up another card from the floor, which she must have dropped. It is said that when Anne bent down to pick up the card, she looked beneath the table and saw that the mysterious man had a cloven foot. It was then that Anne stood up and said to the man, You have a cloven foot! The man went up through the roof, leaving behind a large hole in the ceiling. Soon Anne became mentally ill and it is believed that the family was ashamed of Anne and locked her away in her favourite room where she would be happy, yet out of everyone's view, which was known as the tapestry room. She refused food and drink and sat with her knees under her chin, looking out the tapestry room window and across the sea to where Dunmore East is today, waiting for her mysterious stranger to return until she died in the tapestry room in 1775. God... It is said that when she died, they could not straighten her body as her muscles had seized and she was buried in the same sitting position in which she had died. God, that's Um, creepy. I feel cold. That story is the same story told in the Hellfire Club that the devil came there to play cards. The Hellfire Club is the same story. It's funny how he's called a mysterious stranger as well. Yes, yes. So that's super creepy. And the last thing I'm going to talk about is something that scares the holy... Gorgeous out of me, mm. which is the Dullahan. Have you ever heard of the Dullahan? Uh, maybe. I mean, you absolutely I have. Go on. Uh, it's not a demon. It's it's kind of mm. like an Irish. Yeah. It's an Irish. You're not wrong. Folklore kind of thing. Maybe? Yes, specifically. Uh huh. A headless horseman. Oh no. So anybody who mm. is listening to this may have read or uh, Washington Irving's uh, Sleepy Hollow or mm. may have watched the movie adaption. Um, and it definitely was, was lifted from this Irish Celtic mm. mythological figure, which is the Dullahan. Oh, and this is terrifying. Okay. Okay. I, I really want to sleep tonight. So the Dullahan is also known as the mythological headless horseman and the embodiment of the Celtic god Crum Duff. Crum Duff, black, back, sounds like. Is Crum Irish or Crum back? back, I think it is. Duff, Shan- black. His is the story of a headless rider who roams the lands of Ireland looking for victims whose lives he intends to take. Lovely. The Dullahan is one of the most well-known tales of Irish mythology and the story became so popular over time. In turn, the headless horseman has become a key character used in the mythology of many other cultures. Cool. The Dullahan is most well known for his headless appearance and there are many stories that suggest how he lost his head. One of which being that he was a soldier in his previous life and had his head taken from him in battle. His roaming has been depicted as him searching for his lost head for <laughs> all eternity. Poor dude. I know. <laughs> However, some stories suggest that he has already that he already has his head and that he rides with a darker purpose, believed to be so bitter about his own death that he searches for other souls to take with him to the nether life. Oh God. Does he, he carry his head like under his Yes, arm so we see he lifts it up then to kind of look around, you know. Oh, that's so creepy. So he is yeah. commonly portrayed as either riding on the back of a black horse, who's also headless, or riding a black carriage that is pulled by six black horses. Mm. 
It is said that these horses ride so quickly and ferociously that fire emanates from both their nostrils and their hooves as they strike the ground. The carriage that some believes he rides is made of coffins, tombstones and bones, indicating his evil intent to take innocent lives. He's also supposed to have a whip, which is made of like a human spine. Oh, no he wears way. a long black cloak that flows behind him as he rides through the lands. And he is known to hold his severed head high into the sky in search for the souls that he wishes to take. His severed head has a terrible appearance, covered in rotting flesh that gives off strong, the strong odour of rotting cheese. I read this somewhere else and it said mouldy cheese. To <laughs> nice and with the complexion of stale dough, the mouth is split into a terrifying grin as he finds joy in taking the lives of others. His eyes are lit up with an evil fire and are darting back and forth, constantly looking for victims. So you have to stay out of his path. No locked gate stays closed when he approaches, bursting open to let the Dullahan through. As he makes his way through towns and villages, after dark, the people hide behind their curtains because if anyone were to look at him, they would be immediately blinded. He has the ability to speak only once on a journey. And that is to say the name of the person whose life he wishes to take. Once the Dullahan states this name, that person's soul is called to death and there is no defying this call. Oh, no. So if you heard him call your name, you're like, that's it. And there's no running even. No. The Dullahan does this when he stops and it is then that he will call the name of his victim and that person will die. The Dullin is believed to appear after sunset on certain festivals and feast days, which is when people know to be wary of looking outside after the sun has gone down. It's possible, however, to frighten the Dullin away if you happen to have an item of gold with you. As told in this popular account from County Galway, a man was on his way home one night between Roundstone and Ballycanealy. It was just after getting dark and all of a sudden he heard the sound of a horse's hooves pounding along the road behind oh, him. Jesus. Looking back, he saw the headless horseman of Ireland at the Dullahan hurtling <laughs> <laughs> towards him at a fair speed. With a loud shout, he made to run, but the thing came on after him, oh, gaining on him all the time. Did he have some gold? In truth, it would have overtaken him and carried him away had he not dropped a gold-headed pin uh, from the folds of his shirt on the road behind him. There was a roar in the air above him. And when he looked again, the Dullin was gone. Oh, he galloped off. So a little bit like the Banshee, but the Banshee isn't as kind of monstrous. The mm. Banshee seems to actually be kind of sad about death. <laughs> yeah, this guy is more <laughs> This guy's like, I'm coming to get you. And yeah. that's it. So, um, I'm coming to get you. I'm coming to get you. Spitting that lyrics, homie, I'm with you. That would Sorry. actually be amazing if he was rapping that as he was coming towards you. But he's holding his head up. Yeah. Do you know it would be really awkward for him though when he's waking what? up and he has to hold his head around the place, do you know? What he's yeah, hanging. to look around, yeah, he does. So like he'd have a great time at concerts and stuff. He, he could just would. His head Imagine, up. oh my God, you wouldn't have those yeah. girls on their back. And their shoulders. shoulders in front of you. Oh, Screw you, people so that do annoying. that. The one, the, the headless horseman in Sleepy Hollow story, he sometimes has like a like a pumpkin on his head <laughs> instead of his head. Well, if it isn't my, my old friend, Mr. McGreg. <laughs> With a pumpkin for him. So that's my creepy Halloween stuff. That's very creepy. That a, an assortment of spooky tales. I definitely got uh, the old goosebumps. I yeah, definitely got too. the goosebumpy feeling. Me too. And yeah. I scared myself a bit now, not going to lie. Um, yeah, I'm hoping you all, you know, watch some scary movies, you know. Have a great Halloween. Fantastic Halloween. Have a great week. Carve those pumpkins. Yes, make, although I did that a couple of years ago because that'd be fun. I never realised how disgusting the inside of pumpkins it's are. It's pretty gutsy. Yeah. Yeah, seeds and well. stinky. What what hurts me is the, the nail clawing, you know, trying to kind of yeah. scoop it out, you know, yeah. and your nails will be digging off the materials that you've been nearly bleeding. Yeah. Do you know, but like I love, I love the old bobbin for apples now, or oh, yeah, or the good old days if you grew up like we did, uh, wearing plastic bags and crappy plastic masks. Yes, you know, the- oh, I can smell those masks. Mm, yeah, and um, getting barn brack, which I didn't eat. I didn't eat that, but I used to just dig for the for the ring. The ring. And my the ring. family used to complain, being like, oh, Claire shouldn't get the ring. Because <laughs> I think you mentioned this I on did, the last I podcast, did, last Halloween. The justice, they were like, you don't eat the brack, so I you don't the, get the ring. I was the horrible kid that just scooped my hand right into the cereal yeah, and got the toy for I myself. Yeah, I mean, finders keepers. Every single time I did that. Yeah. You snooze, you lose. Yeah, and then you just read the back of the box and just yeah. be like, yeah, so this is how Kellogg's Krispies are made. 
Fair deal, yeah. yeah <laughs> um, but obviously, you know, a bit of toffee apples there now. And obviously, mind yourselves with the trick-or-treating. Um, tis, you're never too young for it, you're never too old for it. Just true. you go out Very there true. and live your life and get your free candy. You do you, boo. Yeah. Don't knock on my door, door. I don't have any. I don't, Um. yeah, me neither. I'm very awkward with children as well, so <laughs> just, just don't knock my door trick-or-treating. Wait now. Because it would be very uncomfortable. I'm, I'm knocking on the okay. door. I'm a child, okay? So okay. let's do this. Okay, knock, knock, knock. Open the door. Trick-or-treat! Oh, <laughs> and then you kind of have to be like, oh, like, oh, aren't you scary? <laughs> oh, look at you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's you, like, yeah. trick or treat, I'm just going to hold out the bag. Yeah, I'll, give, I'll give you like, you know, like a Fredo Thank or Thank you. And, yeah. and then walk oh, away. Welcome. Yeah, Bye. and then close the door. And then the parents go like, oh, it's just really awkward. <laughs> oh. I sometimes, I was like, I'll actually leave the seats outside so we don't have any human interaction. Whatsoever. Yeah, but some teenagers are going to come along and them nab on. them all. I haven't had trick or treaters in years. I haven't years. either. And I'm up in the city. And yeah. the thing is, I'm in a cul-de-sac. I mean, you'd expect trick or treaters to come in. though. So you might get them this year. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put a sign on my door that yeah. just says COVID in here. <laughs> like a little X that they did for the back there. <laughs> That's it. Just don't come in. Bring up the dead. Um, I wouldn't mind them actually because it's a, it's a thing that's going to I'm die happy off. for them. Yeah. It is, it is. So even though I basically said I hate it, at the same time, you will be welcome if you I'm happy for the little house. ones. Yeah. You know, and, the little and, ones. I will, give, I will give out the sweets to the kids. At, only at Halloween. Any other time is inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even say trick or treat and they're getting me sweets. Yeah, I know, I don't care. Okay. All right, so have a happy Halloween. Have a lovely midterm. Yeah, and that's my teacher voice. Going, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, have a lovely midterm. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm going to go take a photo of my demon teddy. Oh, dear. Yeah. I thought you were just saying my demon. My demon. Just and then Ted's just over there in the corner. He's like, hey, I'm going to on Netflix. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go. <laughs> Get over here, but I want you. Okay, okay, okay. Happy Halloween to the whole wide world. Bye, guys. Thanks for everything. We love you. Bye. We're still on.